Hello, everybody. This is Barry Feeker with the Topeka Rescue Mission. You're listening to our community, our mission on podcast number 131, which is July the 5th of 2022. If you like this podcast or you want to help us promote this, you can subscribe it, rate it, or share it, or all the above. We would appreciate that. We're understanding there's a lot of folks that are benefiting from getting to know a little bit about the rescue mission and other things going on in the community. Good morning, Lamanna Broyles and Marion Crable. How are you today? Good morning. So, <laughs> We're good geez. in unison. Oh, wow. It sounded so sweet, especially after a blow em up weekend with, yes, with Fourth of July activities. Uh-huh. It was I noisy. A, I had an early morning uh, presentation this morning, and I said I wouldn't have actually accepted that if I'd known there was going to be World War III in my neighborhood the <laughs> night before and get no sleep. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, here we are. And uh, so we have a really great guest this morning yes, who works here on the front lines of rescue work. Yes. And we're going to get to talk to Deb here in a minute. But Lamanda, um, it's hot, and it's getting mm-hmm. hotter. And so... Um, what, what are we doing right now specifically to address the heat, even on a holiday? Sure. Yes. Um, so just yesterday, our street outreach, um, Jenny and James went out for several hours, um, just bringing different items, um, to help kind of alleviate the, um, problems that the heat waves bring forth for our um, neighbors who are on the streets experiencing homelessness. So, um, you know, anytime that we can provide water, um, that's definitely a priority just because of the hydration and we don't want people to be um, become dehydrated and that can happen so quickly. Um, and especially when you are um, exposed to the sun rays and the heat the entire day, um, that's, that's a lot. Another couple of things that we've just started trying to do um, is we've implemented uh, Pedialyte popsicles, mm. um, which were you know popular around my house with my girls anytime that they are <laughs> um, sick. But uh, really, I kind of did some research on like what are some other alternatives that we can be passing out to people um, to really help combat that dehydration. And so, um, a couple of weeks ago, we started serving popsicles. Uh, we also um, did some research and and really am. Um, realize that there are some nutritional foods that we could also supply um, during the summertime. And so we are starting to pass out little baggies of fruit, particularly honeydew, watermelon, those kinds of things, um, just for the nutritional value, but also to help uh, with the hydration issue. So yesterday it was fruit, it was ice, it was waters. Um, You know, we also are still doing Gatorade, we're talking about the unsheltered at this point. Yes. Um, we're talking about the people who are not in shelter here at the rescue mission. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, you know, there's also a need still for tarps. A lot of times we think that, you know, tarps are um, a way to provide shelter as far as just living in. But the other thing that it helps it protect is from the sun rays. Um, and it just helps to do that. And I also was just here uh, pretty late last night and, and was walking around some structures as I'm, I'm learning and trying to see. And, um, you know, people are also putting the tarps together in certain ways that it allows the um, wind kind of like a current to be mm-hmm. able to come in to have a breeze as well so um, anything that we can do just to really tell people like hey we see you um, we love you we want to help these elements be a little mm-hmm. bit less for you um, that is a temporary fix mm-hmm. and then what we trust the Lord with is as we're engaging and we're talking and and it seems like we're just giving a popsicle right that's also a time that we're learning names mm-hmm. possibly learning stories we share a popsicle with them we did that two weeks ago and um, And then you start hearing what some of the challenges are, and uh, that's when 
you know, the, the wonderful staff here at the Topeka Rescue Mission and our partners kind of rally around and say, how can we do a little bit more than just the initial providing of ice or water? Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, the conversation of homelessness is, is back on the front burner again. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are talking about it. Uh, some people with a uh, great understanding and some people with not so great understanding. And, uh, you know, when we, when we think about people who are unsheltered, who are living outdoors, there is this kind of, well, why don't they just get a job? Why don't they just, you know, be responsible? And, um, and for some, maybe that fits. But for a lot of these folks, they're very broken. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very um, challenged uh, mentally, physically, um, addictions, and so on and so forth. And uh, I think one statistics that we're beginning to really look at a lot is the change in the demographics of the homeless and the age. Mm-hmm. And uh, a paper that we were reading here the other day is in the 90s, the average age of the homeless was 30. Mm-hmm. A decade later, it was 40, then 50. And now the average age of the homeless is 60 years old. Mm-hmm. That is a significant uh, switch. We've seen it here at the rescue mission in our mm-hmm. shelters. We're mm-hmm. seeing it in the streets. Not that everybody's 60 years old, but the, when you average it out between the children and we've got some people are in their late 70s and 80s, um, who have no place to go. Right. That presents some additional challenges in regards to health mm-hmm. because it is estimated that a homeless individual who's been chronically homeless for a year longer actually physically functions at someone 15 years older than they are. Mm-hmm. Than their birth age. Than their birth mm-hmm. dates, yeah. And so add another 15 years on to where they are. Now we're talking about a lot of emergency room visits. We're talking about a lot more intensity, intensity of what we need to do in the streets as well as our shelters. Um, one of the estimated costs to community for a person 60 plus years old who has these medical conditions who is homeless to the community is 175000 a year. Mm-hmm. With all the medical wow. visits, the emergency room sure. visits, the, the law enforcement, the uh, mm-hmm. interventions, the sheltering and so forth, when we could do something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you're doing mm-hmm. with your street outreach, with yes. your team that's out there, as well as in the shelters. Mm-hmm. Um, with a Pedialyte Popsicle to start with. Yes. Sometimes it's a bridge build. I know when I was playing college football, we'd be practicing three times a day in August. <laughs> it weeded out the team, yes. believe me. There I were very, so. you know, it, it went. I remember one year we had, uh, uh, we started with 120 players, and by the end we had, we were down to 40. Oh, I'm sure. So, uh-huh. But the coach, the coach just knew that uh, he had two things to offer. Uh, one was a beer and one was a popsicle. And he uh-huh. said, no beer for you guys. So popsicles. <laughs> and so right. I want to tell you what, when you're out there and you're burning up about the end of the day, that popsicle looked uh-huh. really good. I we can imagine so. for some of our folks as well. It is. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the other thing that I just want to throw out here is we also have a responsibility to make sure our staff is okay. Yes. So there's a lot of our staff who are... Um, out in this element, Mm -hmm. you know, like our teams that are out right now for the mobile access partnership. I mean, they are on asphalt or concrete for Mm -hmm. six plus hours plus the setup. And so, you know, we're really being mindful of checking in with them too, to make sure they have breaks, Mm -hmm. especially in the heat. Um, You know, another team that I think sometimes we forget about and Miriam may want to mention because these are um, her pride and joys, I know, but maintenance, you know, they're out still keeping up with our lawn care and they're in and out of the the buildings and the shelters and something breaks, it's them. And so um, not only do we want to extend our, our love and our care for our neighbors that are on the streets experiencing homelessness, but we also want to care for staff because these mm-hmm. elements aren't easy for them either. As well as some incredible volunteers yes. that are yes. out doing what we're, what we're seeing them do every single day. So there's a lot of caring going on yes. for a lot of really great reasons. 
reasons um, in a very, very challenging time mm-hmm. for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, not everything is about just uh, the homeless in the streets and these challenges. There's some really cool stuff going on also with children. Mary, we've got a couple of different things that are happening in yeah. regards to kids this uh, summer before they go back to school and also a special camp. Absolutely. So I'll talk about the special camp first because our trauma team came to me and said, wouldn't it be great if we could just do a summer camp Mm -hmm. um, for just a few days for the kids at the Hope Center Mm -hmm. um, and potentially even staff kids that could join them Mm -hmm. um, to kind of mix the group a little bit and just give everybody an opportunity to have some fun. Mm -hmm. And so that'll be happening at the end of July. Mm -hmm. Um, Our trauma team plus volunteers will be leading that effort Mm -hmm. to make sure that that the kids who are living in the Hope Center actually have some normal kinds of things to do, too. Mm-hmm. So, Which that number is growing. Absolutely. I mean, uh, post-pandemic, we're starting to see more and more children that are absolutely. and families coming back into the shelters now. Right. And so what can we do that would really be fun for them and give them a little bit of joy? And I know knowing that our trauma team and Courtney and um, Cody and I know Kaylee will be helping, they'll make it absolutely oh, yeah. beautiful no, for those kids. Job. Yes. <laughs> can we go? Can we attend? I'm I know sorry, it's going to be a lot of fun. There was, there was a, there's an age cutoff. Man. I'm so sorry. I know. Yeah. The other thing that we're doing is... Believe it or not, school is just around the corner. Mm -hmm. And we know that there are families that need to get school supplies for their kids. Mm -hmm. But frankly, they're having a hard time just meeting the bills that there are now. With gas prices the way they are, with food prices on the increase, there are just things that are very, very difficult for families to do. Um, So we will have a school supply distribution um, in early August, and there will be more information coming out so people know how to sign up for that. But hopefully it can just be a blessing. Uh, to these families, it's one thing that maybe they won't have to worry about yes. um, to be able to send their kids to school. And, you know, I remember as a kid, I loved getting my school supplies, mm-hmm. you know, the pencils and the paper. Now they kind of have cooler stuff because they get post-it <laughs> notes and markers and all that. It wasn't as cool back then, but I was still equally as excited as we know these kids will be. One of the hardest things for a child to do is grow up, number one. Uh Uh, Number two is to grow up in an environment where you're looked at as different, odd, or something's wrong with you. And if you're a homeless kid uh, going into school, um, last thing you want to be labeled as a homeless kid. Right. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so our goal is to, when those children go into that classroom, they got everything that all the other kids have. Yes. And so they got the clothes, they got the shoes, they've got the school supplies. Exactly. Just so, and so this happened to live right. yes. at right. a different address Absolutely. than maybe some of the other kids do and to, to be well-equipped so that they right. can have that opportunity for success. Sure. And that's what our donors help us to do and the great team that puts all this together to distribute it. And Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is a great opportunity for donors to give, whether it's popsicles, yes. you know, the Pedialyte popsicles or some of those things. Water yeah. is always a need. Yes. So that's a wonderful uh, donation opportunity as well as these school supplies. Mm-hmm. You know, bring them to 401 Northwest Norris and we will put them to good use. And, you know, we don't use our community, our mission as a fundraising tool. We make an awareness tool, but I think it's important at this point. Miriam and you, I were looking at the finances this morning and uh, economy is really hitting, taking a hit on everybody. Yes. Gas prices, food prices, cost of living, everything. Well, the Topeka Rescue Mission donations are taking a hit as well. Absolutely. For us to do 
everything we're talking about here and a right. whole lot more. Right. Uh, I'm just going to ask people to consider what they can do. Absolutely. Um, so that we can keep moving forward with what we need to do here. Right. Yeah. For sure. So, you know, as far as uh, people who move forward um, in this work, it is one of those things that you really got to know you're supposed to be here. Um, this work can really be tough. Lamanda, you were out till about 3.30 this morning, as I recall, yes. um, doing, <laughs> doing the job. You know you're supposed to be here. Miriam does. <laughs> yes. Other people do. Um, a lot of challenging, rewarding, but challenging work here. But one maybe that is uh, probably the most directly challenging is the people who are in our shelters, who are trying to care for quite a number of people who are very, very broken individuals. And we have uh, one of our uh, heroes here mm-hmm. today who is just um, like like super special. Mm-hmm. Um, some people call her mom. Yes. Um, she works with the men in the men's shelter, uh, I think. A unique individual that uh, normally it's men working with men, but we got this gal that's like uh, a superstar, mm-hmm. and uh, she is on the front lines. Uh, Deb Peterson, good morning, and welcome good to our morning. community, our mission. Uh, Deb, you started working at the Mission and Distribution Services. And Actually, I started at the <clears throat> thrift stores. Thrift stores. Oh, okay. that's right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we kind of called that distribution. So, uh, But it wasn't <laughs> like you would later work at the distribution center, right? Right. Yeah. right. And so um, things were changing and we had um, a need, um, opportunity. Right. When you got that, that call um, to possibly go work at the men's shelter, uh, the main shelter, we call it, the front desk where a lot of stuff's going on, what ran through your mind? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you knew what you were asking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Me at the men's side front desk. Are Mm -hmm. you sure? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's and I I was like, wow. And I uh, I wasn't opposed, but I wasn't really excited because I didn't know what to expect. So I thought, all right, I'm not one to say no Mm -hmm. right away. This is good. Let's try. (laughs) I'll try it. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So how long has that been now that you've been there? At the men's side front desk, two years. Two years. Yeah. So what from that uncertainty that, you know, you probably knew enough about what the shelters were about just to scare you to death. Um, mm-hmm. But what what is it like now? And what, what do you feel about that uncertainty that you felt compared to where you are today? Well, let me do a little comparison. The first day I walked in there and I, I just, they just had me sit. And maybe I did the mail and typed the names on the board. And and Bobby um, Openlander was the at the front desk. Scared me to death. <laughs> I thought, I'm never going to be able to do everything that he does. Uh-huh. He remembered all their names. He knew he was talking to. He, he just, he didn't have to think. He just, it was there. And I thought, oh, my goodness, Lord. Show me, <laughs> just show me what I'm, how to do this. And I, I really wanted to do it, so I hung in there. And Bobby was kind and with his training, even though I messed up several times, <laughs> at least several times. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, "You can't do this. You can't do that. You got to do this this way. You got to do that that way." And but he was so generous in his leading and training mm-hmm. and I thought okay okay I can get this I can get this and now then I know their names yes <laughs> I know all the extensions mm-hmm. yeah. it's like and and the guys that work with me go 
who's so-and-so's extension? And I just rattle it off. And they're like, how do you do that? And I said, <laughs> well, when you do it every day, you learn. Absolutely. You learn. And those are just little things because that really doesn't even dig into the heart of what's there. Mm-hmm. Talk because about the heart of what's there. The heart of what's there is people. The individual that walks into my presence. And like today, I had a gentleman who was dealing with a loss and he just he just started to cry. And I said, What can I do for you? He goes, Just be here with me. Oh. Just be here with me. And I said, Anytime you need to talk today, you just come on up here and we'll talk. Yeah. So, and sometimes it's just listening. Mm-hmm. They don't want something all the time. Uh, there are some that definitely are more needy. There are some that want you to just listen to them. And there are some that don't want to say anything. They just want to be at the front desk. I had a guy that come up there one day, and he just stu- stood there. And I said, what can I do for you? And he said, nothing. And I said, okay. And normally... You don't hang out at the front desk, but I felt I felt something there, so I just I just let him hang out about five, ten, fifteen minutes. Well, and we were just I was talking and to the, my coworker, and pretty soon he said, "Thanks, that's just what I needed. Talk to you later." Wow, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just sometimes they just want to be with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, when they don't know the guests that are next to them in their bunk maybe they're new they just come in Mm -hmm. and you're the first person they saw when they come in Mm -hmm. they just sometimes come to just be with that person that they know Mm -hmm. accepted them for who they were and and how uh, essentially important it is for that person who's coming through that door that first time to have a warm reception for somebody that they know is genuine that really does care it's not a job Right. It's not a, just a duty. It is an opportunity to yes. be able to help that person. Because you don't, you don't, when they walk through the front door, you don't know what's on their mind. I have no idea. Other and, than they're homeless right now. Right. They need some help. Right. And, and I've, I've, seen, I've seen lots of different ways that that can happen. That can come in with an angry person. Mm-hmm. That can come in sad. That can come in um, nonchalant, not just don't even know what they want or care, you know, and, um, and the hardest thing for me to do is to actually tell somebody, no, I'm sorry, you can't come in. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. That has to do with sometimes the behaviors that they've had in the Mm -hmm. past. Um, I'm sorry, but there are consequences Mm -hmm. for actions. Mm -hmm. And, um, as much as I hate it, we still have to, uh, have some rules. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, when that happens, I, I try to advise them to find a different avenue, um, Baleo, um, the hospitals, mm-hmm. if they're addicts and they're high, mm-hmm. you know, um, there is help out there. If you want help, you can find it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. a lot of them don't want that help. And sometimes you then can direct them to come back later in the day right. to visit right. the staff. And exactly. So, they can come back and do some case management. So you never know. You're, you're kind of like a police officer in a way. When <laughs> yeah. they get up in the morning, they kind of know their general mm-hmm. idea of what it could be like, but you never know for sure That's what right. that day is going to present because you're encountering some problems that should be similar to law enforcement. 
Out it on can the be minute, minute to minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you can start one direction and it can escalate and turn in another. And I've learned to um, try to de-escalate those problems before they even get started. So predominantly in this shelter, it's men. Yes. Um, how do you think the guys receive you as being the lady over there or mom? <laughs> Obviously, the mom title uh, says something good, uh-huh. hopefully. And uh, I, I haven't you? had too many that have said, yuck, get out of here, you're a woman. <laughs> most, most all the time, they're always very mm-hmm. glad to see me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you think it, there's an advantage possibly to being a lady in that position? I think position? there might be. Mm-hmm. I think there might be. I think there is. And I'll tell you, so when I was still over there, um, housed in the business office over there, um, it was the most calming experience when Deb makes announcements over mm. the intercom, right? So just her demeanor, her tone of voice, it's just calm and soothing. You know, it isn't... Um, accusation yeah it's just yeah and so I think it makes a huge difference that we will never know and be able to measure just Mm -hmm. because of how she sounds on the intercom you know needless to say in person but over the intercom it was just like it stopped me you know because you can kind of become oblivious to announcements when you hear them all the time Mm -hmm. and it would literally stop me and I'm like oh my goodness doesn't that sound wonderful Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so Deb I think is making a difference in ways that we don't even know um, or recognize because she is a woman I I also think um So I just worked with Deb last week for a couple of hours at the front desk, which is always a joy for me um, because I learn from her um, and and see her ability to love people from really hard places. And um, that just, it warms my heart. But last week um, there was a gentleman who came up and I was standing uh, next to Deb. She was working on some things. I try to help, but sometimes I tell Miss Deb that I think I just add to her problems because, you know, <laughs> I hang up on someone. I don't transfer them correctly, all those things. Um, but I was trying, to, I tr- was trying to help her, I should say. And a um, gentleman came up. He got pretty ugly. Um, and hit the... That's a uh, term from the South, bless. by the way, it you is. all. The guy didn't actually become ugly, but from Arkansas, Correct. that's what they say yes. when you got kind of nasty. when you're nasty, yes. <laughs> Just so um, you know, if you're from Kansas, that's really what that means. <laughs> um, you know, we also say, bless their hearts. Um, and so bless his heart. He was having a bad morning, but um, he went and hit the little plexiglass that we had, and, and I said, whoa. I said, no, we're not going to do that. That's hateful. And he walked away. And I looked at Miss Deb and I said, um, that's not normal for him. And she said, because she knows him, that he had just had a loss in his family. Mm. We'll leave it at that so we don't say too much. And so my heart broke. We were doing some other things, and I actually wanted to go find him. Uh, but before I could find him, Barry, he came back. And you know why he came back? To apologize to Miss Deb. Oh. Um, and I knew in that moment, it wasn't necessarily directed at her, but she was getting it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what was more beautiful. The fact that he knew to come back up and, and the apology went something like, sorry, I'm just, just a really bad day. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he couldn't even say anymore because she had already forgiven him. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what was more beautiful in that moment to see him humble himself, which is probably not easy for him. Um, or if it was her that said, it's okay. And mm-hmm. she stood up and patted his hand through the little glass area. And 
it's just stuff like that that we get to witness. And when I see characteristics and behavior like Miss Deb do that, we don't know how far that'll go. Um, but I know that it went far, mm-hmm. and that's a moment mm-hmm. he'll remember. Right. So, Deb, you um, kind of talked about a few scenarios that um, people come through that front door and they meet you for the first time, or maybe they see you coming and going, and they've, they've known you for a while. Uh, somebody could be hearing voices. Um, somebody could be high on who knows what uh, coming through that door. Some could be really hiding and masking everything, somebody very quiet. Deb, potential of anything going really, really wrong is there at any Absolutely. time. How do you, um, as an individual and maybe as a female, um, do what you do? And why do you keep coming back? Because of my Lord Jesus Christ. He's there with me. He's, he's, uh, I feel like I'm protected by him and his angels. There are demons out there and there are mean people, but, uh, if God asks me to do this, I know he's going to take care okay. of me. So, so people, people throw that Jesus thing around a lot. Yeah, um, they do. Be, I'm here because of God's call in my life or because of Jesus Christ. What does that really mean to somebody that's going, mm, I hear that, but I don't know if I've ever experienced that. What does that mean? Because you're, you're not just talking about it. You actually are saying, I can go into the furnace of life the problems that we see that most people would run like crazy from would never even consider doing what they're doing. It's not that you're here for the money. It's here because you really believe something here. Talk about, I talk, do. A, talk about that in, in, in a way that somebody that doesn't necessarily know what you're saying, maybe you could describe it to them. Okay. Um, I have to think a minute. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, it is a good question. Um, I don't know if it's good, it's a deep one. <laughs> it's a deep one, yes. Um, it's like being in the Dan- Daniel in the di- lion's den. And uh, you never know if those lions are going to attack you or just walk around you. Or, But I know that Jesus is with me. So in all the experiences that I have had where somebody could just... I mean, I have a window that has a glass in it, and then I also have another window that we close or open, and it's open most of the time because I like to see sunshine and air (laughs) and stuff. And I know at any point somebody can come in there and get me. Yeah. But, and and I know there have been some guys that have come in there that felt like it. Mm Mm-hmm. Them not be necessarily because of you. They just right. They're were just upset situation. At life. Yeah. life situation. Whatever mm-hmm. situation that life has handed them, and they look at me, and I just look at them, and I said, "It's what I say. Mm-hmm. It's it's not get out of here. You're not allowed. You don't. How can I help you? What can we do to make this better for you? Mm-hmm. Even though you can't necessarily come in, you're here right now." What is it you need? How can we get you some the help that you need? Mm-hmm. So what I hear you saying when you say that kind of stuff is that you know that God, that Christ is with you because he speaks through you. Right. Right. He right. gives you the words. He gives you the patience. He gives you what you need to be what other people need. I don't know how I would do it without him because I don't even think sometimes. It ju- I just hear it coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So you're in a great place to um, take your faith um, in a practical application. 
Absolutely. Go, go to work. Absolutely. People talk about their faith a lot, but do they really put it into practice? And I've had to. And um, I can tell you that he is real. He is real. He's there. So that is the reason you tell us that you keep coming back and doing what you're doing, because he's real. He's with you. And I would uh, venture to say by your action that the love of Christ uh, makes um, you or enables you to love the people in front of you more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I know um, without Christ's love, there are some... There are some fellas that I would not give you two cents for because, you know, but Jesus gives me The struggle is real. The struggle, the struggle is, is real. real. Very well put. And, and let me tell you, because of Jesus, I can love those people and um, I see potential mm-hmm. where there doesn't seem to be any potential. And, um, Just like God it, sees us. When we don't see potential in ourselves or we don't see it in someone else, God says, yeah, but there's another side of the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I try to get to that other side of the story. Now, I can't always get there. Um, they need something more than I can give them, but I pray. And mm-hmm. and the prayers that I pray for them, I've seen it go both ways. I've seen it happen for them. They get uh, ele- elevated to the place where they need to be. They um, do all the things that's requested of them. They get the job. They get the place. They get the completion. And they're got their own place. And three or four months later, they're coming by and yelling, Hey, Deb, I still got my place. And they're so proud of themselves. And I'm so proud of them. And then I've also seen it that where, in fact, just today, one gentleman uh, did not complete his uh, mirrors treatment and came back and is... Yeah, and it's sad. It breaks my heart, but I'm still going to pray for him. His, and story, I'm still, his story's not over. Yeah, right. his story's mm-hmm. not done. Right. He's He's got potential, and I can see it. We just got to get in there and dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's that's exactly right. Lamanda, as the director of Topeka Rescue Mission now, mm-hmm. um, what's it mean to have Deb Peterson's working here? <sighs> I was going to try to get through this without crying, Barry. <laughs> um. I'm not sure I can really put that into words. Um, gratitude is the first um, word that pops into my my mind um, because I have so much gratitude for the people who serve. Um, when I know that this job is not easy, um, I see it, I hear it, I know the challenges that come. Um, and so I don't want just workers here, though. Mm-hmm. Because there's many people who could fill the slots and then we could say, woohoo, we, you know, mm-hmm. we have no vacancies. But to me, that would be just as detrimental as having spots open um, because you have to have the right heart here. And Deb has an amazing heart that as the director, one, I love because then I know the love and the forgiveness and the encouragement that everybody that's going to walk through or call on the telephone is going to get because of Miss Deb. So as the director, I have so much gratitude for that um, and thankfulness um, to know just that environment that's created because of her heart um, and how that that can change things. Um, last week, I also saw a gentleman who was um, normally very, very kind, very, very sweet, but he was wanting a meeting and he was kind of getting impatient with some things. And um, 
was a little pushy, right? And um, Deb heard him out, and then she looked at him, and she said his name, which to me is powerful. Yeah. Deb always uses their names. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's personal. There's a connection there. And to me, something so small is actually so huge. But she said his name, and then she tilted her head, and she said, I just love you. I know you're having a rough day, but I just love you. And he stopped, and he had sunglasses on. He put the sunglasses on his head and he said, I love you too. Um, and he said, and I'm sorry, I'm being pushy. I realize it. You know, she said, no, I know what you're needing. I just can't fix it. You know? And then he walked off and it's just moments like that, that are lighthearted and sweet and kind that I see. But I have also been beside her, um, in tough times when people have overdosed. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're in the trenches and we're seeing, um, life and death and struggle. And, um, I have also seen her sit at that front desk, cry over her keyboard, um, and pray for people. Not only the, the other staff that she's sending into an area where there may be trouble, um, but also as she's trying to call 911 or she's trying to answer this phone call. So it's not all just lighthearted where she is mama Deb, there are some really hard times that she and other staff members um, see every frequently. Um, and then they come back and they come back because they're living a life for purpose. That isn't just our own lives. It's not about us. Um, it's really about um, seeing people in the challenges that they're facing and being that one person that says this can be changed. And even when you're in the midst of feeling like everything is lost and broken, the Lord is right there with you. And people like Deb make that kind of hope possible. And what I think is so beautiful here, too, I'm thinking back to when you were at the D.C. front desk, right? And who would have thought that this would be where you would see this amazing growth in yourself Mm -hmm. and this sense of confidence and this sense of purpose? And that's what I think is so beautiful, too. Mm -hmm. It's that I feel like Deb has found herself at the front desk mm-hmm. of the men's shelter. Yes. I have to agree. I have to agree. Yeah. Well, goodness, LaManna, what you just said is so right on, spot on. Um, and same thing with you, Miriam. I think all of us are, uh, we find more of who we really are mm-hmm. when we're put to the test. Yeah. And there is a test here. <laughs> there is. And it, it d- defines who we are as an individual. It defines who Christ is in us. And, um, you know, it also shows our weaknesses. I know I've had plenty of that shown to mm-hmm. me over the years. You know, Lamanda, uh, as, as a person who's been in your role for about two and a half months now, uh-huh. uh, one of the things that kept me coming back to Topeka Rescue Mission for the 36 years was to remember the Debs. Yes. That were here, uh-huh. who were on the front lines, who yeah. were doing this stuff, because I had done all this before. And then I see mm-hmm. these individuals, yes, the homeless, yes, the hungry, yes, the opportunity to help people who are broken, but the Debs, mm-hmm. um, because these are the heroes. Mm-hmm. And um, not all of them get a paycheck. Some of them are volunteers here. Mm-hmm. And the homeless themselves, who are actually part of the team to help mm-hmm. us to do what we do and to be um, able to share this hope in this incredibly hard time. Deb, um, what would you like for people who are listening to think about or hear or to know um, as you have an opportunity now that we're going the whole wide world here on this podcast? <laughs> To know that you are more than you think you are. You are worth more than you think you're worth. You can do hard things. 
and uh, it's all possible through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's powerful. That's powerful. You know what? Uh, what we firmly believe is that somebody's listening to this right now, whether it's on July the fifth or whether it is any other date, because um, these are able to be listened to at any time. Needed to hear that right now. What you said today, and uh, yeah, God shows us that we are more important than a lot of times we think we are, and that we can do things that we didn't think we could do through Absolutely. His strength and His power. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's not just someone experiencing homelessness. There that's could right. be a donor listening to that. There could be a volunteer listening to that. Someone who's a leader in the community. That struggles are struggles for all of us, and none of us are exempt from that. Our struggle just may look different. That's right. Um, so regardless of what walk of life or status or anything like that, um, I think the message today is everybody has battles, um, but just know that you're not alone in that battle. That's right. And we would invite you to join us um, to be able to be a part of that battle, whether you're a volunteer or potentially a staff member, a donor, a contributor of material items or finances, to be a part of this incredible team that we just heard an incredible member of that team, Deb Peterson, today, to be able to share her heart about who she is and what she's doing here at Topeka Rescue Mission. Deb, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to our community, our mission. If you'd like more information about the Topeka Rescue Mission, you can go to trmonline.org. That's trmonline.org. If you like these podcasts, we've done 131 now, and you'd like to see us do 132 and so forth, um, you can subscribe, you can rate it, and you can share uh, the Topeka Rescue Mission podcast known as Our Community, Our Mission. Thank you for listening to Our Community, Our Mission.